exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. And welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap. Another Monday, another show here at 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. I am your host, as usual, every Monday, Alex Sharg, and to my left, David DeFever will be back within the last half hour to the show. Uh, we also have Jonathan Yales sitting in today. Excuse me, John Yales. Uh, John Yales sitting in today in the studio. Uh, great to have him, of course. We have a big lineup today, so many topics to talk about, as usual. Uh, for those of you just tuning in, let me explain to you how the show works. We start with MSU Sports, we jump a little bit to local, then we go national. Local is your Detroit Tigers, Red Wings, Pistons all your Michigan Detroit teams uh, then we go to our national news uh, a little bit we'll get into later Chad Ocho Zero is back in the news bum 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 it's not good uh, it's going to be an interesting to see what really what Chad Johnson is, is in the news for this time so before we get to the Chad Johnson if you have a guess what did Chad Johnson do this week feel free to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap uh, before I go on, in about 7.08, I'm going to be talking about the Chad Ocho Zero segment. But if you have a last-minute guess beforehand, see if you can get it right, feel free to tweet in. Also, to talk about on today's show, we do have our special guest of the week. Uh, this week, it's Brian Calloway. Brian is the Michigan State reporter and sports editor for the Lansing State Journal, graduate of Eastern Michigan University, uh, also wrote for the Echo Times down there, uh, down in Ypsilanti. Uh, also to talk about later, we do have our man Elmo. He will be calling in later on the show for our Elmo's World segment. He'll be talking about Detroit Tigers. He also caught the game, and he's got plenty to say about that team. Uh, we do have our annual Goon of the Week. That goes on at the end of the show. Uh, pretty big Goon this week. It's going to go, actually, in the golf category for this week's Goon. Uh, we're going to talk more about MSU football, MSU basketball a little bit later in the show. And for those of you who do not know, at the beginning of each show, we have our question of the week. And how it works is each week, I ask a question, and if you can guess the question correctly, you have the opportunity to potentially win a gift certificate. And this week, the gift certificate is courtesy of Pita Pit. And these are Pita Bucks that you actually can win. Uh, today's winner will receive a gift certificate for a free entree from Pita Pit. More information can be found online at www.pitapitusa.com. The Impact would like to thank Pita Pit for their continuing support and remind listeners that they may win once a week. So, hey, if you get it right this week, don't think you can't call in next week or future weeks besides them because, you know, as far as I know, that is how the show works. You can win every single week as long as you get it right. But the catch is, as long as you guess... David and I at the Sports Wrap, we pick a random winner each week. So as much as people are tweeting and calling in with their answers for the question of the week, only one lucky person will win, and that person is selected at random at a predetermined number. That's before we open up the show. So the question this week is after the Aaron Burbridge performance against Indiana University, he obviously had that big game, uh, racking up over 100 yards, who had the second best performance as an MSU freshman wide receiver. So besides Burbridge, as a true freshman at wideout, who had the second best performance with numbers? That's with numbers, a, a number of yards. So if you know who that is, feel free to tweet at 89FM Sports Wrap or feel free to call in. 517-432-3893 is the number. Again, 517-432-3893. So if you know the answer to that, if you want to call in and talk about maybe what you know about this Michigan State football team, you can certainly do that. So when you do call in with the answer, or if you tweet in, you need to give the the person and what year they played in. So for example, if it is Draymond Green, well, obviously that's basketball, or let's say it was Kirk Cousins, but he obviously did not have the most receiving yards at wide receiver, you would say Kirk Cousins and back in whatever, 2010, 2011. So if you know the answer to that, you need to tweet at 89FM Sports Wrap or feel free to call in. 517-432-3893 is the number. But before we get to the the winners, really, in that, that question of the week drawing, we do have our special guest of the week, and it is Brian Calloway, Lansing State Journal, Michigan State's reporter and sports editor. Uh, Brian, great to have you in on the show. Uh, so much to talk about with that last game. 
Uh, I want to know your thoughts initially because I know you did not go down to Bloomington, but you did see the game. You did see a couple highlights. Uh, and even with your picks, because obviously this was a game that many people thought uh, would be certainly a blowout. And when it came to, you know, when it really came to game time, this team looked totally different from the first half and then comparing that to the second half. So, Brian, I got to ask you right off the bat, uh, what was it in that first half that led to all these mishaps and really the overall breakdown of that defense? Well, I just think, you know, they were very undisciplined in the first half of me. Obviously, they had uh, several personal foul penalties that kind of helped to aid uh, some of Indiana's drives. And, you know, Indiana, they just came out with some steam. I mean, they kind of took, aggress- took advantage of, you know, the aggressiveness that the MSU defense played with and were able to beat them on some screens. But right. I believe in the second half they were able to, you know, kind of make some adjustments and, you know, make some personnel changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw in the second half that, you know, Taiwan Jones played more of a role in the second half and, uh, Chris Norman, the senior captain linebacker. I mean, right. He didn't really play. He didn't really see much much of the field in the second half there. So I mean, it's a combination of the Spartans making adjustments and also you know Indiana kind of running out of steam as well too. And also, I mean, MSU playing a lot more disciplined football in the second half. Uh, they held Indiana. I mean, they're a team that you know, had the top passing offense in the uh, Big Ten, and yeah. I mean, they held them to a season low three hundred and seventeen, yeah, three hundred seventeen yards. So I mean, that they definitely made the right changes in the second half. No, absolutely. They certainly did, and it obviously pulled out with a win. Uh, Brian, back to your picks, obviously with the win. They've got Iowa this upcoming weekend. You originally picked Michigan State to beat Iowa, and then you also picked them to beat Michigan. Now, after watching that game, all the mishaps, are you, are you still standing by those predictions, or are you a little bit slighting on what you thought initially this team would be uh, this far into the season? Well, I mean, I still think they, they will beat Iowa, although the th- thing that's interesting about this contest co- this co- coming up is, you know, Iowa's had, uh, they were off this past week, so they've had an extra week to kind of prepare and uh, game plan for Michigan State. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how that works for them. I mean, because sometimes the teams call off those bye weeks, uh, they're a little rusty. So, I mean, it just depends. I'm not sure what we'll see, but I still think they'll get by Iowa. In the Michigan game, I think it's a little bit more up in the air. I mean, the performance that Michigan had, on Saturday against Purdue, I mean, I don't think anyone was expecting them to to go down to uh, West Lafayette and, uh, you know, win pretty handily like they did. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that game is always going to be a tough game and a key game in the uh, Legends Division race. But, I mean, it'll be a lot more of an interesting game. I mean, I still think just with the way that the Spartan defense has had success against Denard Robinson in the past, I, I mean, I still think that they can uh, pull out that game. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to be a lot, a lot tougher than, uh, you know, I originally thought it would be. Oh, absolutely yeah, not. Because we also, I mean, we also saw, uh, you know, Braxton Miller uh, run for his quarterback. I mean, he had some success running against uh, Michigan State, the Michigan State defense, a couple weeks ago. So, yeah. I mean. Yeah, obviously, yeah, and even with Braxton Miller, I mean, both him and Denard are those shifty, dual-threat quarterbacks, and, you know, the way that we have played Denard in the past, it's very possible that they can do well. But with that, i got to ask you this also, Brian, uh, you know, obviously, Ethan Rulin at center, uh, Skylar Berkland, those are two filling guys that have those big duties early. Uh, when it comes to protecting Andrew Maxwell and really pushing that run game, uh, have any of these guys sparked enough compliments to solidify a starting role, obviously, with the injuries? Well, I mean, I know, and actually, Jack Allen got the start. Uh, oh, excuse me, Jack Allen. For, on Saturday, in place of Rulin. I know her, him and Rulin, you know, both played time at the position, but I mean, the coaching staff has always viewed uh, Jack Allen as a starter, starting type player. I mean, mm-hmm. he just started the season uh, with filled in that left guard with uh, Treadwell out. So, I mean, he's a guy that's a very capable, capable player, and the coaching staff has thought highly of him. And I mean, they're still kind of waiting to get uh, Blake Treadwell 100% healthy. I mean, he's still not there yet. Mm-hmm. But I mean, these guys. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Le'Veon Bell did rush for you know over 100 yards right. on uh, Saturday against Indiana. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, how this line fares against uh, a little bit more talented of a team than, than Indiana. And I think we'll kind of see that, you know, the, coming, the weeks coming here. For those of you just tuning in, we do have Brian Calloway, LSJ, Lansing State Journal, uh, Michigan, State, Michigan State reporter and sports editor. Uh, Brian, yeah, uh, the very fair opinions you have there. Uh, but back to last game, actually, for a second. Was it the run game or is it the pass game that really is most important for this team to do well? Because as far as I'm concerned, last game, uh, we saw Andrew Maxwell really pick up his pace, his complete his completion percentage way up there you know, from what it was games before. And then Le'Veon Bell uh, still racking up good yards, not really getting the offensive push. So uh, what's more important for this team to win? I mean, obviously they can win it both ways, but uh, what really is the most important aspect? 
Well, I mean, I think they're a team that likes to be balanced, but they like to be able to run the ball. But, I mean, the passing is the most important thing for them to get going. I mean, and honestly, I think they made a big step in that direction on Saturday with Aaron Burbridge, you know, the true freshman wide receiver, mm-hmm. him getting a start. And, you know, he definitely took advantage of the opportunity with eight catches for 134 yards. I mean, he was the first uh, true freshman receiver at MSU to go over 100 yards receiving in the game. And, Right. He was the Big Ten uh, Freshman of the Week, and the Big Ten Freshman of the Week today. So, I mean, I think they definitely made some strides in the right direction with the passing game. Yeah. And, I mean, Maxwell, he completed 50% of his passes on uh, Saturday, which was his second-best completion uh, percentage in the game. And I, I think he's definitely uh, come on. I mean, he hasn't really been the problem, too. And the completion numbers kind of are misleading, I think, too, because he, there were several receivers dropping balls in uh, previous games as well, too. So, um, I mean, I think it's just important that that passing game continues to kind of gel and uh, build confidence. I mean, we already know what Le'Veon Bell can do. He's carried the team in that win against Boise State, and he carried the load in that Eastern Michigan game. So we know exactly what he can do, but it's more important for the, the passing game to get going. Right. Now, any other receivers going to get some looks besides maybe Burbridge? I know De'Anthony Arnett played a couple snaps, but you know, really has been, quote-unquote, in the doghouse really as far as coaches are concerned. Um, I mean, I think we we pretty much seen the guys. I mean, I think we might see a little bit more of McGarrett King Jr. He's another true freshman that that burned the red shirt on in that Central Michigan game. So, I mean, I think him. But obviously, you know, Benny Fowler, who was a guy that was the starter at the receiver spot that Burbridge took over. I mean, he obviously came up big and you know scored the game when he touched down. So, um, yeah, I mean, we pretty much have seen the key receivers that we're gonna see this year with uh, you know Keith Muffrey, who mm-hmm. had a uh, an impressive touchdown against Ohio State a couple weeks ago, and and uh, Benny Fowler, like I said, uh, and uh, obviously Burbridge and you know Tony Lippitt as well too, who came up with some big plays as well too on uh, Saturday against Indiana. Yeah, and and, and back all, also to to Maxwell really and and those receivers. Uh, hopefully we will see a, a plethora of, of different receivers down the road. But uh, with last game, we saw a bunch of different blitz packages from those IU linebackers and and that front seven overall. Uh, I, I gotta ask: Is it really just the play calling that led to a lot of those hurries on Maxwell? Because there are a lot of deep routes from those receivers. It paid off, but there were a lot of plays that were that were some force balls, a lot of deep curls, and, and really cross routes down an open field. Uh, was it really the play calling uh, from last game that led to a lot of those hurries, or do you think it was more the offensive line? Uh, I, I think you know they were they were just trying to um, just kind of mix different. You know, experiment with some things offensively. I mean, you saw them take a you know a few more shots down the field, especially with Burbridge. I mean, it allows them to to do that. He's a more of a home run threat for them. So I mean, he you know he kind of added a different dimension to the offense on uh, Saturday. And you know, the thing about the uh, you were talking about the uh, hurries and things like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I think you know Maxwell did pretty well with you know the time. I thought I thought he had a decent you know amount of time. I don't think it was like anything like the. Uh, Notre Dame game when he was constantly under duress and with the pressure that he was constantly facing in that game, or even in the Ohio State game. I, I didn't think it was the pressure like he saw in those two games. And I mean, I think the, I mean, Ohio State and Notre Dame were the best two defenses this team is going to pretty much see all year. So, I mean, yeah. All right, fair enough. Now, opinions down the road. How is this team going to finish, Brian? Well, I mean, it just depends. It just depends. Uh, but I, I do think the Nebraska game is the game I uh, originally picked them to lose just because, I mean, it was the last game in that stretch of uh, 10 straight games before their bye week. But, I mean, that Northwestern game looks a lot, suddenly looks a lot tougher, too, with the start that Northwestern's gotten off to, even though Northwestern did uh, come off that loss as well, too. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how things play out. I mean, I think that, you know, they could have one more loss. I mean, they could have three more losses. It just kind of depends, you know, how they kind of hold up on the injury front because obviously, you know, lost two key guys in the offensive line, and it looks like Deion Sims won't be playing this week as well, too. So right. it kind of just depends how they hold up injury-wise. It's just what they can do and if the offense continued, can continue to make strides like they did against Indiana. All right, fair enough. For those of you just tuning in, we do have Brian Calloway, LSJ sports editor and Michigan State's reporter. Uh, Brian, I'm going to jump to basketball real quick before I let you get going here. Uh, for Midnight Madness, are you planning to go? And if you are planning to go, what are you most interested to watch when it comes to this MSU basketball team? Uh, 
I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm necessarily going or not, but it would just be interesting. What I'm interested to see with the MSU basketball team is uh, some of the freshmen, uh, especially most particularly Denzel Valentine, yeah. uh, who's a uh, father played at Michigan State, as well as uh, Gary Harris, too. And uh, CBSSports.com actually today came out with uh, a listing of, you know, who they thought were the top 100 basketball players in the nation. And uh, Gary Harris made that list. And then, I mean, I saw Denzel Valentine play quite a bit in the Moneyball program, which is a lot of Michigan State players playing that league during the summertime. And Denzel Valentine looked very impressive in that league. So, I mean, those two, just seeing those two freshmen will be, is uh, going to be exciting, as well as, you know, seeing uh, Brandon Dawson. I mean, he obviously, you know, lost some of the injury in the Ohio State game uh, late last season, but just kind of seeing how he's recovered. And I think he will can be a difference maker for this team as well, too. And we kind of saw Clips is, uh, I mean, we saw what he could do last year. Yeah, yeah. And, and even on that CBS Sports list, I, I was wondering, is that just incoming freshmen, the top 100 incoming freshmen, or, or, is, or is that overall players in the NCAA? Oh, that's overall players in the NCAA. Wow. Uh, Gary Harris, there are three Spartans on the list. Brandon Dawson, uh, Gary Harris, and uh, Keith Athley made the list. So I think Brandon Dawson was the top rated one. He was like at 42. uh Gary Harris was in the 70s, and I think Athlete might have been like in the 80s. I don't have the list in front of me right now, but right. yeah, there are three different Michigan State players that made that list of uh, CBSSports.com's uh, top 100 uh, college basketball players. So, I mean, obviously, it's just one opinion, but I mean, that's what people think about uh, some of the players that Michigan State has. So. Yeah, and I, I, I got to ask you, you know, Gary Harris has not even stepped foot on the court, and they're already ranking him in the top 100. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, he uh, had a Pretty uh, good uh, high school career it was a uh, McDonald's All American. So obviously, when you had that McDonald's All American name, and you know just the role that he'll probably be able to play in this team this year, I mean, kind of leads to you know what those rankings are. So I mean, obviously, uh, I think he can uh, be a uh, impact player for the Spartans this year and do some special things. Yeah, let's, let's hope so too. And uh, before I let you get going, last question here: uh, What's the competition like at power for at the power forward position for this team? Obviously, with Derek Nix, Adrian Payne, all the all the off uh, basically all the off court issues. It's it's tough to say who's going to really get most of the playing time. Uh, if you had to pick a thought preseason, who really would start the year? Uh, who would you say? Well, I would say that you know Nix and Payne probably could both start up front. Um, I mean, obviously, Kenny Kaminsky was a player that could play that position, but he's out. He's injured. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Matt Costello, I mean, he's a guy that will probably come off the bench. I, my guess is that he would he would come off the bench behind uh, Payne and Knicks. But it sounded like, from everything I've heard, you know, it sounded like Knicks did all the right things in the offseason mm-hmm. to, uh, <clears throat> to uh, get, uh, get back into good graces. So, I mean, I, I just think it's going to be him and Payne, uh, you know, playing together. So Right. And actually, at the camp out with the is zone, they did, uh, the players, the MSU basketball players, Derek Nix and company, they did greet a lot of the fans. Uh, Derek Nix actually getting carried throughout the crowd. Now, this guy was over 300. Now he's down back to 270, around 267. Uh, this guy was tossed around in the crowd, uh, Brian. I mean, what were your thoughts? I mean, if you were down there, how are you, how are you supposed to hold up this guy? Yeah, that's, I, I, did, I actually didn't hear about that, but that's kind of interesting. They, uh, they tossed him up in the crowd, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, very good. All right, Brian, uh, I appreciate you coming on the Sports Wrap today and, and talking with me. Uh, great predictions about MSU football. Let's hope that your picks hold up. Uh, I'll be there to differ with you in coming weeks. Thanks so much, Brian, for joining us. Yeah, no problem. All right, talk to you soon, Brian. Bye now. Yep. Bye. All right, so, John, you heard it from Brian. We've, we've had his picks. Uh, he, he likes Iowa. He likes the fact that Michigan State, really that passing game is going to be the difference for this team. Uh, i got to ask you now, John. Uh, do you agree with most of Brian's picks? And if you feel otherwise, uh, for those of you listening, feel free to call in. 517-432-3893 is the number. Or feel free to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap. And if you are just tuning in, our question of the week this week, uh, very simply, is with, with Aaron Burbridge's big performance last game uh, as a true freshman, who had the second best performance as an MSU freshman wide receiver? Who was it in what year? So if you know the answer, feel free to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap or feel free to call in 517-432-3893. And today's winner will receive a gift certificate for a free entree from Pita Pit. 
More information can be found online at www.pitapitusa.com. You'll be getting some pita bucks if you win, so you definitely want to tweet or call in. The Impact would like to thank Pita Pit for their continuing support and remind listeners that they may win once a week. So, John, back to football now. Uh, your picks. Uh, where do you disagree with this guy? Do you agree with most of the things that Brian was saying? Or I agree with most of them. Um, Iowa game is going to be not a test, but a good preparation for the Michigan game. Because that Michigan game is going to be tough. Michigan did look really good against Purdue. Everyone thought they were going to either lose or just not look So you're pretty bad. confident this MSU team will beat Iowa? Yeah, I'm pretty confident they'll beat Iowa. But, you know, we're, we still went down to Indiana and played like that for the first half. So mm-hmm. nothing's given. But Maxwell's been looking good. He hasn't thrown an interception in like 22 quarters. Right, right. <laughs> Boise. So you can't really complain about him no matter how great or not good he looks. He's not like a star, but he's mm-hmm. kind of like Kirk Cousins. He doesn't do anything spectacular, but he also doesn't lose the game for you. Oh, I like that. That's, so, that's a good comparison. Yeah, so I think he's solid enough. Bell has been contributing consistently, so I'm confident in him. It's just if the defense can stop Denard and not let him run all over us and if our offense can just keep up with their scoring because I think it'll be a high scoring game it's not going to be like a low scoring game I feel like it'll be like Indiana where it's back and forth someone pulls ahead by a lot someone comes back so it's all about if our defense can shut it down like we did in the second half and if our offense can stay up with them all right very good now recapping the first uh that IU game last week for those of you who did not catch it in the first half at the end of the first half Michigan State had seven penalties for 105 yards obviously Big numbers there when it comes to penalties. Uh, Andrew Maxwell actually had a decent first half, 11 of 16, 113 yards and a touchdown. No turnovers, of course. Uh, Kaufman, the quarterback from Indiana, uh, 23 for 30, 256 yards and three touchdowns. That's just at the end of the first half. Now, going back, now continuing farther in the game, uh, third quarter, uh, 280 yards in the first half for IU, and then 26 yards only allowed in the third quarter. So this obviously looked like a whole different team when it came to allowing uh, the amount of points they did in the first half. Uh, you know, 20-plus points in the first half allowed. Uh, then in the, in the fourth quarter, uh, Michigan State came back, went down the field plenty of times with Maxwell racking up the, the passing yards. Uh, then, I don't know if you remember this, but... Uh, on the punt to Nick Hill. Nick Hill did fumble the ball. Uh, there was a big scramble, but the referees did rule a Michigan State ball, even though IU really had it. Uh, Kevin Bl- Kevin Bolser, uh, he was on the special teams unit for IU. He was ejected for the game for for the entire game after that, uh, basically for for going into the pile and really trying to uh, pry the ball free. Now I got to ask you, you, <coughs> you saw the play. Uh, what were your thoughts on the ejection? Uh, uh, it didn't really look like much yeah. happened on that ejection. Uh, and even with that play, uh, that was a big controversy for those of you who are listening. Uh, did the refs really just think they saw something? Was it too much in the pile? Or, or? Yeah, I don't know what they saw. Because all I heard, they called the penalty, and I saw he fumbled it. I don't know who got it. I had to wait for the replay. And then... You see that we got it. They kind of recovered it, and then they said, like, 83 or whatever his number came in late. And it kind of looked like he just, like, walked up there and then kind of fell in or something. It wasn't like he went in there and was, like, eye-gouging or, like, punching guys or something like you get kicked out for. So I don't really know what they saw, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. It worked our way, so. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And even just for that game, I mean, we've seen plenty of ejections in sports, and that was one of the stranger ones I've seen uh, now I want to get to the point where I'm trying to hold myself. I'm not going to try to go on a rant here over the air, but there were a lot of different blitz packages last game from IU. Uh, a lot of hurries on Maxwell. The offensive line just could not get it done. They couldn't get it done, John. Uh, what's up with the play calling? Uh, are the coaches really to blame here? Because what I've seen, a lot of the, a lot of guys just really couldn't be there to make the plays. And yeah. then it comes to the question, is it the players or is it the coaches? We've seen wide receivers drop 20-plus balls. You know, We've seen the offensive line not get any push. Now, is it really more of the play calling, a lot of the downfield routes that led to, you know, really led to them not performing well? Or is it even a wide receiver coach and Terrence Samuel to blame? I mean, what are your thoughts, John? I'm going to give you the traditional answer of it's both. But <laughs> I think the coaches have made some dumb calls. We all have coaches like that. You see a call and you just think so many different other options you could have went and that seemed like the dumbest one like running straight down the middle Ohio State was the perfect example a couple weeks ago yeah but also these players dropping a ball 
that's not anything the coaches can do or running the wrong routes or not blocking an open man coming in that Maxwell told you to get or something like that. That's all on the players. And I think the players are learning. I think they're getting better. Just like I said with Maxwell and Bell kind of continuously producing shows a lot. And the wide receivers are getting a little better, but they're still not top-notch. And Mm -hmm. I don't think they'll ever be top-notch, but... With the Burbridge performance, like that's positive, but we need that from a couple guys, spread the ball around, and then I think you'll see the offense really starting to warm up no matter what you think the coaches are calling because right. our players will be playing football for once. Mm-hmm. Now with Travis Jackson and Fofanuti out, you know, with your opinion on whether it was the play calling, uh, with these guys out, uh, who really needs to come back first between these two guys? And, uh, uh, I mean, do you see them getting better throughout the year on the offensive line? Or, or what are your thoughts, really? You talking about the injured guys? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, can, are they coming back? Well, yeah, they, actually. So, you know, Travis Jackson, Foe, both out. Foe should be coming back within the next Well, he few just weeks. broke his foot. So right, right, right. So, but the other Travis guy. Travis Jackson broke his leg right, or something. He broke He's his a, leg, exactly. So, uh, Foe for Nudia, obviously, with not as not as deep as a timetable mm-hmm. of return. Yeah. Uh, but how important is it to have these guys back in the lineup? Um, I think we need them. Travis Jackson started last year, so he's pretty solid, and he's playing center. And you saw a little bit of shakiness with the new centers coming in last game, not being confident, Maxwell not being used to him. So if they, he came back, I don't know when it would be, but if he did come back, that'd give you that stability again. And I don't know. This is about <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. So if you feel otherwise... You could always call in 517-432-3893 is the number. Uh, if you actually know our question of the week, uh, you need to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap. And our question this week is, after Aaron Burbridge's performance against Indiana University, who was the second best performance as an MSU freshman wide receiver in history? Who was it and what year was he playing? If you know the answer, feel free to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap or call in. So... I'm going to jump a little bit now to uh, some basketball, MSU basketball. Uh, For those of you who do not know, uh, the annual Izzone campout was last Friday. Uh, As I was talking about with Brian Calloway, who we just had on, Derek Nix, getting carried by many of the fans in the crowd. Uh, Amazing that they can hold up a guy like that. Uh, Now that he lost the weight, you know, he was over, at one point actually, he was 340. And now he's all the way down back to 267. And he obviously, as as a small recap, John, uh, he had his off the off the off the court issues. Uh, he had his off season troubles. Arrested for driving with drugs present. Tom Izzo just put him on probation. And as I as I've said from day one, I am so shocked that nothing happened. But you know, well, we've seen guys from Michigan State been kicked off the team before. We saw mm-hmm. Chris Allen getting kicked off for not meeting the team standards. You know, now he played at Iowa State, had a decent year, uh, and, and they're gonna keep a guy. Who you know really had is a felon yeah. and has committed an illegal crime, but they 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 don't keep a guy who didn't meet team rules, and obviously Nick's has had his off season you know his off season issues. He's he's done a lot to get back on the court. Uh, now finally getting you know his playing time. He'll probably be starting this year as expected. Uh, we'll really see what will happen. I mean, what are your thoughts on Derek Nix, John? Is he really going to perform well, or, or how do you see you know the loss in weight really affecting him? I think he'll perform well on the court. Off the court, he's still Derek Nix. You never know what will happen. But I think, going back to what you said, Tom Izzo obviously has something with this guy. He believes in him. He knows there's something inside of him. Because just like you said, that he would have kicked him off the and team now, like Chris Allen. Listen, listen. Now, Jim Leland obviously has a favoritism yeah. for something inside guys. Uh, Ryan Rayburn. Well, <laughs> well, now with Derek Nix, uh, do you see that same type of relationship? Or do you think Derek Nix has, has really done enough to perform well? I think he's had like he's gone back and forth. He's had those really great games and those kind of where he disappears games. So he can be that great player. I think he just needs he needs the support of other people because when he's kind of out by himself, he doesn't know what to do. He starts playing weak. But if he's got that solid team behind him, he had some really great games last year. So I think that's what Izzo's kind of trying to do with him is show him that he is supported, that he can do anything, that he can play really good. And that's what 
obviously Tom Izzo wants out of him and he expects out of him. Very good. For those of you just tuning in, we did have Ryan Calloway, LSJ, that's Lansing State Journal, Michigan State reporter and sports editor on the air with us. He gave his take on MSU football. John Yale is also joining us today in the studio. He gave his take on a couple of things that he saw from last game, offensive and defensive side of the ball. Uh, but if you want to call in at any point during the show, if you know our question of the week, uh, if you have a, a, a topic on MSU football, MSU basketball, if you want to answer some of our questions that we've asked earlier, such as, what's up with the play calling? Are the coaches to blame on the MSU side of the football? And when it comes to actually this football team, uh, basically, uh, is this a run game or a pass game kind of offense that's really going to determine the fate for this team? So if you want to answer or comment on any of those questions, feel free to call in 517-432-3893. We're actually going to jump to a quick break here at the Spartan Sports Wrap. You've been listening to 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Impact Exposure. here. Th- thanks again, man. It was good Wait, time. you were uh, you were hitting it pretty hard tonight. Are you, are you good to drive? Heck yeah! I am amazing at driving. Yeah, man, you sure? I mean, I can call a cab or we fine. can uh, we can get somebody to take you home. Yeah, you know? yeah don't worry. I'm good. Okay. Uh, hey, text me when you get back, okay? Stop right there. This is stupid. He's drunk. Friends don't let friends drink and drive. Ever. A message from 88.9 The Impact. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Friday nights from 8 until 10 p.m., the Impact Flashback is your retro music alternative, playing your old favorites from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Only on Impact Primetime. In a world where radio was repetitive and mundane, in a time when FM is played by the same 15 songs, an army of new songs are called to battle, and only the strongest survive. Every Sunday night from 8 till 10, sit or spin, only on Impact 89 FM. Now back to Impact Exposure. And welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. I am Alex Sharg, uh, your host as usual, and David DeFever should be joining us any minute now in the studio. We do have another guest today in John Yales. He's joining us. He's been talking a little bit about MSU football and even some MSU basketball as we will continue here in the segment. Uh, but one thing I forgot, at the beginning of the show, I talked about that I would talk about the Chad Johnson segment and for those of you who are not aware, each week on the Sports Wrap, I have promised, ever since two months ago, when Chad Johnson started to, you know, to have everything happen in the news, he was dropped from the Miami Dolphins, he had an argument with his wife where he headbutted his wife, domestic abuse charges, many more and many more and many more charges against, and many more things in the news against him. So I promise, as long as Chad Johnson in the news, we will have the Chad Ocho Zero segment every week on the Sports Wrap, talking about what's new with this guy in the news and how the media really just cannot stop talking about this guy. Last week, for those of you who are not aware, Chad Johnson did, was not in the news for one week, for one whole week, and I was so happy. I, I think the media was happy as well, and it turns out that this week, he's back in action again, and it was determined that I thought this segment would be over. I packed my bags. I got my flight. I said goodbye, Chad Johnson, but he really is still Chad Ocho Zero. So for those of you who do not know, Chad Johnson back in the news uh, for what is new this week with Chad Johnson, uh, apparently, to cope with his anger management against his wife, Evelyn Lozota, uh, he's now turning to yoga. So uh, props to the guy. Uh, yoga is a great practice, great exercise, uh, really determines the core, uh, you know, inside and out and physically. Uh, that's, you know, tri- <laughs> triple alliteration there. <laughs> but besides the fact that he really is turning to yoga, even bigger news, after a week of, well, basically after a week and a half of signing the papers, Chad Johnson was seen at lunch with A.J. Johnson. A.J. Johnson is a very popular Hollywood actress. She's been in the films Baby Boy and House Party. Uh, they were seen at lunch together, uh, Chad Johnson initially sticking his tongue out during one of the shots, basically to tease the media for taking his picture. Uh, also, 
Uh, pr- this is actually some pretty relevant news when it comes to football. Uh, Rex Ryan, the coach of the Jets, having to deal with the injuries, as you know, John and David. Uh, Rex Ryan having to deal with the injuries to Santonio Holmes. Also having to deal with the injuries to Darrell Revis. That's his best offense and best defensive player, both sides of the ball. Uh, it's been talked about that Rex Ryan may be looking to bring in a wideout. So Chad Johnson, as much as he is a zero after being dropped, having the potential to be signed by the New York Jets. Him, Terrell Owens, a plethora of other receivers that this team could look at. Uh, but there you have it. Chad Ocho Zero is back again. I'm David, you just walking in here to the studio. Uh, sad to hear about this guy, and really it was sad to see that last MSU football game against Indiana. Yeah, it was kind of disappointing. We got up to a really slow start. Uh, defensive struggles, which none of us would have thought with how strong our defensive core is. But it's nice to see that the second half, I noticed that you mentioned that we had a whole different second defense team out there, which it's nice to see that we have a backup that we can go to if the first struggles. But um, poor, poor first half performance by the Spartans. But good thing that they could turn it around for a victory in the end. Absolutely. Now, I asked John, and I want to ask you now, David, uh, what what was it with the play calling in that last game? Did you see uh, a lot of plays that they really could have called better? Was it Dan Ruchar on the offensive coordinator yeah, side I, of the ball? Yeah, I saw you mentioned, too, that they, were, they had a, a handful of plays that are deep routes, different blitz patch, packages coming from Indiana. Right, right. And as a coach, you have to recognize that, you know, short and rants, uh, five-yard five yard outs, ten-yard cutbacks, you know, slants off the off the blitz. I mean, that's an easy first down right there. But, I mean, you got to pretty much put it on the coach not recognizing what Indiana was bringing on the defensive side of the ball and not being able to, you know, switch up the game plan. Oh, absolutely. And I see you with your Detroit Red Wings jersey yeah. on. We will get to that a little bit later in the show as well. So if you feel otherwise, if you want to comment on MSU football or basketball, as we will continue now, 517-432-3893 is the number as usual. Uh, also, a lot of different topics uh, that, that John and I were talking about with MSU basketball. With Derek Nix losing his weight. Uh, the annual Izzo campout was last Friday uh, Last Friday night. Tom Izzo spoke to a lot of the campout participants there. Uh, I want to talk about a little issue now uh, with Adrian Payne, obviously, with that injury last year. This guy has a high ceiling, projected to start with Derek Nix. What are both of your thoughts on Adrian Payne and really how he will do this year after coming back from an injury? John, let's start with you. I think he'll have the same type of season he did last year, back and forth. He had the really good games with the huge dunks, um, all that kind of stuff. But I think he – I don't I don't see him having a breakout season yet. I think that's his junior year because coming off the injury, it's going to be tough. But he could have it. Like, obviously, I want him to have a breakout season. But this season, I think it's going to be another season of kind of building towards that senior year where he's kind of like a Draymond Green and he's just unstoppable with that oh, size. Oh, let's hope so. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with him. You know, coming off the injury, you're going to have to rehab that that injury as best as you can. You don't want to push too much towards that and have, you know, more injury during the season. But like he said, I don't think it's going to be a breakout season, but I do expect him to, you know, give it all for the MSU Spartans and hopefully have a more consistent season. Very good. Now, uh, for those of you who do not know, we did have Brian Calloway, Lansing State Journal uh, sports editor and Michigan State reporter. He was with us earlier on the air, and he talked about, guys, about CBS came out with a list of 100 top college basketball players, and Gary Harris, who has not stepped foot on the court, was ranked in the top 100 NCAA players as recruits. So I asked Brian over the air, I'm like, Brian, I said, Brian, are you shocked that this guy is already in the top ranking of players, even ahead of Denzel Valentine, and he hasn't even played a game yet? So I want to ask you guys, uh, what are your thoughts on the ranking of Gary Harris so high? Is is he going to get some instant playing time, obviously, with Keith Appling and Brandon Dawson coming back now after that injury against Ohio State? Uh, What is Gary Harris going to be, and what is his role with this team this year? Well, if he does get the playing time, he's definitely going to have to step up and show that that top 100 rank is what he's worth and how much he can bring to this Spartans basketball team. I don't think that he's going to be a superstar off his first year. It's all about learning the basics, kind of like dipping your feet into wet water. But I think he's going to contribute, but not within this first year for the Spartans. Yeah, I think it's going to be just like this team's going to be just like last year where you have a lot of young talent. Izzo's going to be subbing in a lot of guys, seeing who right. can steps up and what games, what see what kind of player they are and what kind of situation. 
But I, I see him as like a Brandon Dawson last year where he, he kind of did that in the beginning, brought him in and out, and you could just see when Dawson was in that game that you wanted to keep that guy in 24-7 every single minute. Sure, sure. So I think it'll be like that in the beginning where they're kind of trying to figure it out, but I think he'll step up in the end. Too. Now, any, any, any guys on this team this year that you see having an impact on the professional level? Mm, not this year I don't know if we have enough developed players yet but I would definitely watch out within the next two or three years to see uh, what guys step up and build and make that progression all right, very good. And for those of you who do want to check in more with this MSU basketball team, there is the Midnight Madness. That's this weekend, October 12th, Friday, at 9.30 p.m. at Breslin Center. That's when it will open up. A free admission for those uh, that want to attend. I will definitely be there along with uh, several others. I'm sure you guys are interested in attending. So really, guys, it really seems to be that this team has a lot of hopes, like in most years. Uh, it, it remains to be seen how they will perform, but we'll get our first crack this Friday night at Midnight Madness. Uh, for those of you who are just tuning in, we do have our usual question of the week, and if you do not know what that is, each week I ask a question, and David and John here, all of us at the Sports Wrap, we challenge you to get the question correct, and if you know the answer, you need to tweet at 89FM Sports Wrap again. At 89FM Sports Wrap is the Twitter name. And you can also call in, or you can even, you can even answer it on Facebook, but you can also call in at 517-432-3893. Again, 517-432-3893. And the question this week, after Aaron Burbridge's performance against Indiana University, who had the second best performance as an MSU freshman wide receiver? Who is it and what year did they perform in? If you know the answer, tweet or call in during the show. Uh, we're going to jump, since you're, you are wearing that hockey jersey, I want to yeah. jump to David with his quick NHL lockout update. I've been seeing a lot with Zetterberg in the news, a lot of comments from a, 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 a variety of different NHL players. Uh, what's your take now on the lockout? They canceled the games up until the 24th. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts really as of now? They're going with a slow progression. They're going to start canceling games month after month, not going to do huge segments, but usually in a... 20 games or so at a time um like i said in previous shows this this one's going to be a long lockout in my opinion which is very saddening to me and plenty other detroit fam fans and nhl fans around the world um i don't see any solutions coming out any anytime soon but on a good new a good note the spartans the they just kicked off their preseason hockey tonight against the university of windsor and are already up three nothing in the first period seven minutes in yeah, absolutely. And actually, I was going to get to that because with their first game tonight, uh, you know, they've got 12, 13 new guys, uh, incoming freshmen playing on that team. A young goaltender now. Yep. Uh, what are your thoughts on this new goalie for this team? How is he going to do? Um, I mean, we'll see how he performs in the big spotlight. College hockey is nothing easy. The competition's really fierce and it's really tough. And at the D1 level, playing for the Spartans, you know, people are going to be gunning to knock you off the rankings because everyone knows that state's a good contender when it comes to the NCAA and uh, postseason hockey. But, um, I mean, looking from what Twitter has told me, it's nice to see that they're scoring goals quick in the beginning of games. I know last year they had struggles putting the puck in the net, especially when it came down to the playoffs. They got shut out and only had single goal games. But uh, it's nice to get on the board early, get that momentum shift in your way, and uh, hopefully the Spartans have a more successful season than last year. Sure, and it seems to be they're on the right track yep. with them winning right now. Uh, i got to ask you this, David, as well, since you're following a lot about hockey and this MSU team. Uh, they did not officially start practices until Saturday. Yeah. And, you know, obviously they've been playing a lot of hockey since July and even over the summer. Uh, they've been in East Lansing playing too. But official college hockey practices don't start. They did not start until Saturday. Yeah. How is that going to affect this team? Uh, do you think that the fact that they were not practicing together is going to affect them in the long run? Do you think they needed the more practice time? Or is that more of a short-term, kind of get-in-the-rhythm sort of play? Yeah, I feel it's a more short-term type of deal. Mm -hmm. um, we don't know what the players have been doing in the offseason, how they've been working out, how they've been training. But um, you said 12 or 13 new guys <laughs> on the roster. It, once you get on the ice with those guys, they all de have developed a relationship, and you get really close with the guys on the team. But um, within the first couple weeks, um, see all the flaws get moved around, see who matches up with who on each line. Um, it's it's going to be different to see how uh, Tom Anastas 
put pieces this team together and what he does with the goaltending situation if the new guy doesn't step up. But um, I think they'll be fine. I mean, they're starting off good with, I mean, exhibition games. It's a nice to get their feet wet and, uh, you know, step on the ice and finally get the groove and the momentum of the game. But um, within these first couple of weeks, I can see this team really piecing it together. All right, very good. And before we jump to our Detroit Tiger baseball, obviously a lot to talk about that. We're going to get that within the last 10 minutes of the show. But uh, a little bit about the Detroit Pistons real quick. Uh, there's some competition now at the power forward position. Obviously, them dealing Ben Gordon this summer, guys, you know how much that affected this team and basically the overall look and role of, of different players. Uh, now at the power forward position, guys, Greg Monroe solidifying himself at center. Uh, it's remaining to see whether they're recent draft pick and, and Drummond or another guy like Max Seal or Jarebko. Uh, which of these guys is really going to step up? Uh, it's been said that Austin Day now has converted to the power forward position, so he's going to be vying for that playing time. Uh, between those three guys, Jarebko, Max Seal, Drummond, and, and even Austin Day, who in your mind is the ideal candidate at that position? I'd say Drummond followed by Maxiel. I mean, well, the thing about that, before you continue, if we put Drummond at power forward, Drummond does have the size over Monroe, so we'd have to switch Monroe and Drummond. So it's either play Drummond at center and Monroe at power forward, or play Monroe at center and any other guy you'd place at power forward. If that makes sense at all. Okay. Well, can we play Mon- play Drummond and bench Monroe? <laughs> hey, I guess you really could do anything. If I you mean, we are, there's experience on this Pistons team in Maxio and Drummond, and they're going to... And even Charlie Ville in the way. Like, he's a guy, obviously, consistent shooter. He can get in there. He hasn't really done much, but I mean, <laughs> if if he can step up, if someone can step up for this Pistons team, we've had so many off... We've had bad seasons over the handful of years, but um, hopefully Drummond and Monroe can both step up and actually play the role as the center and the shooting forward. Of course, obviously the answer is, oh, we'll see what happens if someone can step up. But in your mind, if you had to pick right now, between those guys, Max Seal, Villanueva, Drummond, and even you know the very own Austin Day, who in your mind is the ideal candidate at this moment? I would say Drummond. Yeah, Drummond. Because even if the other guys step up, they're still the same player kind of as they always were. Max Seal's getting old. He's kind of been the same guy over the past couple seasons. And Austin Day, I've never liked him. He's basically a smaller, weaker Tayshawn Prince, and he just doesn't really fit anywhere. So if you put him at power forward, then he's kind of too small, but too mm-hmm. tall kind of thing. So I don't know. I would. I want Drummond to step up, obviously, and I think that would be the best fit if you have Drummond and Monroe in the center starting up. Uh, you can't stop that. They're both huge guys, and if Drummond can play offensively, well, then we might actually have somewhat of a season this year. So is this Piston team now looking up, guys? Uh, do you see any potential moves being made now that they let go of that cap space with Ben Gordon? I'm I'm saying they'll take the next step up on the pedal stool, but they're, they haven't reached potential. Yeah. <laughs> you agree, they'll come up to like 500, a little above a 500, but nothing, no playoffs or anything like that. Or I don't think they'll impress you, but they'll they'll surprise us a little bit. They'll be a little competitive, and we'll like some of their players this right, year right. a lot more than last year, and the young guys will be good, but nothing that's standing out to me this year. Very good. I appreciate your opinions, guys. Uh, if you feel otherwise, what's going to happen with this Piston team this year? Who's the answer at power forward? Feel free to call in. 517-432-3893 is the number as usual. Feel free to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap as well with any questions or topics for the show. And actually, today's winner of Question of the Week will receive a gift certificate for a free entree from Pita Pit. More information can be found online at www.pitapitusa.com. The Impact would like to thank Pita Pit for their continuing support and remind listeners they may win once per week. So if you are in front of your computer, if you have access to the internet, feel free to answer the question of the week. It's on our Twitter page. You can find it there at 89FM Sports Wrap. Or if you want to hear what the question is, again, I will repeat it. After Aaron Burbridge's dominant performance against Indiana University, you guys both saw that performance. Who is the last perform who is the last freshman wide receiver to have as good of a performance as Aaron Burbridge? So basically, besides Aaron Burbridge and Yardage, who had the second best performance as an MSU freshman wide receiver? Who is it and what year? 
So if you know the answer to that question, tweet or call in. You could find the answer actually online if you surf a little bit over the web. So you definitely want to get that answer and potentially win a gift certificate courtesy of Pita Pit. So guys, we're going to jump to my favorite part of the show at 755 Goon of the Week. But before that... Oh, we got to talk about our Detroit Tigers. Many yes. people were doubting that the whole entire year, no one would think that they got this far. And now they're in the playoff hunt, guys. Uh, basically, to start off, Miguel Cabrera winning the Triple Crown with Josh Hamilton you know, missing games due to too much caffeine. Miguel Cabrera now <laughs> dominating him in home runs and taking the Triple Crown away from him. Poor guy, really. Uh, but is with the Triple Crown, guys, I want to start this off. Is he a unanimous AL MVP vote? Because there's a lot of talk with Mike Trout, with him really coming in and, and you know, being that, that go-to guy for that team that many people did not see coming. So does this make him a unanimous AL MVP winner? Let's start with you, David. I think it, I think it helps a little bit, but we got to look at how Mike Trout as a rookie has put these numbers up. We haven't seen this in a while, especially with stolen bases and his batting average is up there towards Cabrera's. Yeah. Even though the home runs aren't there, you've got to look at the other aspects of the game that this kid has contributed to. But I think that now that the Tigers have made the playoffs, you've seen a little taste of what they can actually bring to the baseball world yeah. and how the Las Vegas bets are actually maybe <laughs> in their favor now. Right. Um, um, Cabrera getting the triple crown is just incredible. We haven't seen it in a lot, a lot of years. So it's nice to see that he can do that. Um, I'm not sure if it solidifies a spot for him to get the AL MVP, but it's definitely going to be a closer race. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens from there in coming weeks. They will announce. So what about you, John? Uh, does this make him an automatic winner with the triple crown? I don't think it makes him an automatic winner. I think it should because mm-hmm. it is the triple crown. It hasn't been done in 40-something years or whatever. And it is an amazing feat. And also what I see as important is that he led his team to the playoffs. Trout didn't do that over the last couple games. He kind of faltered. Cabrera kind of stepped up, had better numbers. And I see that as a more most valuable player than just... Extent. And you right. see that in the maturity of the game. Cabrera, much older player than Mike Trout. Like you said, you know, Cabrera stepping up in the last few games, Mike Trout kind of falling off, you know, hindering down. Yeah, I don't think Mike Trout's a bad player at oh, all. Not at like, all. I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but I just think he, Cabrera was the most valuable player in the league. Without him, the Tigers wouldn't be where they were. Same with the uh, Angels with Mike Trout, but where the Tigers ended up was much more important to their team than where the Angels ended up. So even with Miguel Cabrera being you know, the most important, most valuable player of the league, in your opinion, John, uh, I've got to ask you this. Uh, there also are other players in that league uh, that have put up some pretty consistent numbers. Uh, you look at Mike Trout, you know, name one guy. Uh, you look at guys who also have been in the talks for MVP, you know, for that MVP race. Uh, you've seen pitching. You've seen two Detroit Tiger players top of the league in, strike, you know, in strikeouts and, and pitching. And it could be anywhere from even a Mike Trout, uh, anywhere all the way ranging down in Texas. Uh, really, you got to look at the guys who really are in the playoffs. How about that Yankee team? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen a lot of guys on that team step up this year. Uh, but what I'm going to ask you now, John, is is if if he's the best player in the league, uh, what's going to happen now with him and his contract with the Detroit Tigers? Because it's getting to the point he does have that you know, that he did have that long term contract coming in. Uh, I'm sure he'll get his bonuses now. But, you know, in the future, he's only got a couple years left in the contract. Uh, Do you see him sticking with Detroit, Uh, depending what happens this year, of course? But uh, what are your thoughts on his future? Um, I don't know. If it comes down to, like, like Albert Pujols kind of deal where it's like you got to give him 10, 12 years or something when he's 30-something, I think Detroit might think about moving on. Now, Illich and them might want to keep him, but... I think the fans might kind of want him to move mm-hmm. on because they don't want to kind sure. of waste that money in the back end of and, that. And contract. remember, they did sign him, you know, four years ago to the 153 million dollar deal. That's over eight years. So now he's only got three, four years left. And obviously, you know, the way that he's performing now, this is probably the best he will be. Yeah. It's fair to say that you know he's a triple crown winner. Uh, there's only been one guy winning winning the triple crown twice, but. Uh, it's going to be hard, interesting to see what happens with his career after this year. Yeah. If he's going to keep up that production, uh, he's still decently young. Uh, the guy, you know, he's he's uh, about twenty nine years old now. Uh, so uh, 
it's going to be interesting to see what his production will be like. So if he does not do well after this year, and he's asking the big money, what's his team going to do? I don't know. It's hard to think about Miguel Cabrera not playing good, but if he's not playing Miguel Cabrera kind of baseball where he's having like a 200 average or something then like that, then obviously you have to think financially what's most important because he will be getting old and older you get. Most likely your career and statistics are going to decline. So you have to think financially what's best for the team. If that's letting him go when he's still got two, three years of good baseball left, but then he wants another 10 years with you, at whatever million dollars, then you got to think what's best and let him go. But I want to see him here till the end of his career. All right, very good. Now let's jump a little bit now to this Oakland A team that they're facing. Obviously, now they're up to nothing against Oakland, but this Oakland A team, you know, not many people thought they'd be where they are today, coming back from 13 games down to beat the Texas Rangers uh, and other people in that division, uh, other teams, excuse me, and they were able to close it out. So. Uh, along with a 13-game deficit, uh, there was a story that actually broke uh, uh, four days ago about reliever Pat Nashik's newborn son, his newborn son actually passing away You know, right before the series opened up. He pitched pretty well. But obviously, this Oakland A team has a lot of fire, a lot of passion. Uh, they came up from, obviously, from way down in the dumps where they were at the end of the first half of the season. Uh, how tough is it going to be playing away now, uh, the game tomorrow, obviously, at 9 o'clock? Uh, how tough will it be from here on out for this team? David, we'll start with you. Uh, do you see them closing it out? How many games will it take to win and beat these Oakland Athletics? Um, hopefully just one for the Tigers, but we can't think that we're just going to walk over the A's after we get a 2-0 lead in Detroit. Absolutely. And now that we see like the how they knew they scheduled the playoffs, two away and then three at home, and now that the A's are back to it kind of it's going to give them more energy to fight for a victory since they're in front of their home crowd they've made it to the playoffs which people in Oakland aren't used to seeing so i would i'd i'd expect the Oakland A's to come out with some fire especially cuz we have Anibal Sanchez on the mound and <laughs> that to me is not a done deal for the Tigers we'll see how he performs and we'll see how the A's can do as well yeah i think i think we'll go there I think they'll win uh, tomorrow night, but um, the A's are kind of more scary at home, and the Tigers, honestly, oh, this season have completely played different away from home. So that's mm-hmm. the one thing that scares me. No matter how good we looked at home, we'd go away for one series and we'd lose three straight at Kansas City or whatever. So doing that in a playoff game, that makes me worried a lot more because – Oakland, if they get a hot start or something, get their fans sure. behind them, sure. they're going to get fired up and Very the whole coming from behind thing. Yeah. Like, I could see them winning a game or two, but I think we'll win this series within four games. Now, if we do win that series, guys, I want to take a look quickly before we get to our Goon of the Week at the end of the show about the roster. They set the 40-man roster. Danny Worth making the team. A lot of people were uh, a little adamant about whether he would make the team or not. Many people thought he would not make the team. Uh, obviously, Isla Garcia making the team, coming in late at the end of the year. Uh, and then last game, we saw Gerald Laird get some playing time over mm-hmm. Alex Avila. Uh, obviously, Avila the first game. Uh, it's really not determined who will play at catcher game the game the game. Uh, even Don Kelly making the team. We saw him get in, uh, you know, coming in that late-game situation. And this leads me, you know, to Rick Porcello. The guy uh, is a pitcher that was really at the edge about him making the team or not. Uh, will we see any other guys pitch in that rotation besides a uh, you know Anibal Sanchez and and some of the other guys in that rotation? If we can if we can get away with a sweep against the A's, I don't think we'll see him. But um, I don't really want to see him. It's a coin flip when he's on the mound. He either pitches strikeouts or he struggles in early innings and his pitch count gets up. But um, I mean we'll see how they perform with Anibal on the mound. That's that's my biggest concern right now is is Game Three in Oakland and how our team can handle the fans and the energy in Oakland. Yeah, I agree exactly. I want to see how Anibal uh, pitches. He's had some good games. He's had some awful games. And just like he, uh, David said, I don't want to get to down to Rick Porcello or Scherzer coming off an injury, something like that, in a Game Four and Five. Rather, rather just finish it off. And I think Anibal will play decent enough for the Tigers to win. I think our bats are going hot right now, coming off the walk-off win, so I think we'll be okay, but I don't want it to get down to Porcello or Scherzer. Very good. Now, to cap off the show within our last minute, we do have our Goon of the Week, but before we get there, I want you guys to comment real quick on Kirk Cousins, obviously getting his first look, first start. Uh, You know, uh, 
Very interesting to see uh, what will happen, you know, for the rest of the season. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts here? Uh, is he going to be a consistent guy? Should they remain optimistic about him? I think they should keep him as a project. They said RG three said he's feeling good, and yeah. they're thinking he's makes sounds like he's coming back next week. No questions asked. He had a concussion or whatever, but he's not having any post problems with it. So I don't know. I don't think he'll get a lot of playing time unless. Uh, RG3 goes out with a big injury in that spot. I think he would do good, but it was it was good to see like a 77-yard touchdown, but if you take that away, that's like he was like 5 for 9 with like 40 <laughs> yards and two picks. Like that's not a very good yeah. replacement. Oh, absolutely not. I, and I totally agree with John. Kirk Puck Kirk Cousins is the project for the Redskins. He's the backup. RG3 is coming back. If he gets injured or has any other problems, Kirk Cousins is going to be the guy that they rely on, and we'll see how he fills that role behind the superstar, their starting quarterback. Absolutely. And to cap off the show, we do have our Goon of the Week. This week, our Goon of the Week is Tiger Woods, and this is why. Tiger Woods is apologizing for his play to the rookies at the Ryder Cup. He said that he did not play well. It's been difficult. We had guys get out early on Sunday to get points, and it didn't happen. Tiger Woods went 0-3 in team play, and Stricker, you know, 0-4 overall, uh, saw the record overall drop now to 13-17-3. and and So him apologizing to the rookies, that's pretty exciting to see there, guys. Any comments on that? Uh, you don't need to apologize, Tiger, because we all saw how awful you played in the Ryder Cup. <laughs> exactly. Those are my comments. Tiger hasn't stepped up and. We'll yet to see if he can. All right. For those of us, uh, for those of you tuning in, a uh, very good show today at the Spartan Sports Chat. We did have Brian Calloway join us earlier. No one did not answer the question of the week correctly. Uh, Max King actually tweeting in real quick. He's not surprised Don Kelly made the 40-man roster. It would have been criminal to leave him off after what you did yesterday. So thanks, Max, for tweeting that in. But we will be back next week and see if someone will answer the question of the week correctly. I'm Alex Sharg. I'm David DeFever. John Yales. And we will see you next week at the Spartan Sports Wrap. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.